0: Good afternoon, happy Thursday welcome to the healthy indoors live show I'm your host Bob Krell I'm founder and publisher of healthy indoors magazine and as always it's great to have you here uh today's show is going to be a fun one we're we're excited Uh, we're welcoming nate adams back again uh he was on a few weeks ago uh with brian Orr. we were talking about some of the federal initiatives and uh we introduced his uh hvac 2.0 um initiative back then and we're going to have him back on to speak a little bit more about it so we're super excited about that um one of the things uh you know Many of you are watching the show right now, currently on the Healthy Indoors Online Global Community. Or of course, you may be watching it after the fact too, um, on a uh, d- delay because we have the uh, all our recordings for the shows there. We also have all the audio podcasts. So that's something that, you know, certainly you can always get to it there. Um, one of the uh, great things that we started offering with the uh, Healthy Indoors Online Community was a few months back, we started doing AMAs, Ask Me Anythings. And these are uh, these are events that, basically we bring a subject matter expert from the industry on the show and you uh, get to, you can actually uh, either watch the show live and ask live questions and even come on camera with them, or you can watch it after the fact and uh, engage via chat, but it's a a great function. Upcoming in the, the next several weeks, uh, this month we have Dr. David Krauss coming on. He'll be talking about legionella and a whole bunch of other stuff. David's a uh, really uh, kind of a big uh, big deal in the industry, so we're always we always like having him, and he's a really uh, very likable and knowledgeable guy. Uh, in order to uh, be able to join those AMAs, though, you have to be an actual member of the online community, and you can learn more about that at HealthyIndoors.com global so uh go there and uh get your membership today, so we highly recommend that so without further ado um yeah we've got uh nate adams coming on i'm gonna bring nate in here in a second uh i can do this nate there we go coming live from where are you now west virginia
1: yep the the, the hauler of brooklyn west virginia um so, which has kind of a really funny story behind it.
0: Okay, so, I want to hear uh, this.
1: This this was a coal mine. Um, So there's three or four coal mines within half a mile.
0: You don't here. live in a coal mine.
1: I don't live in one, but I live okay. in a coal mining community or okay. a former coal mining community. Okay. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of a, a shady story behind the name. Uh, I can't figure out what the name was before Brooklyn, but they renamed it so that when people were coming off the boat at Ellis Island, Mm-hmm. immigrating to the u.s they had free train ride to brooklyn signs
0: really um,
1: yeah yeah so the the whole like a, a what is does i owe my life to the company store or whatever the, the, that line is of the uh, the song yeah it's uh, they would bring people in and be like, Oh, no problem. We'll get you out of here. Um, but that ticket costs money. So how about you work for it? And then they put you up and they're like, well, but now you got to pay for the house.
0: That sounds and reminiscent of some pay- of the stuff that happened like down in Texas and Florida recently, but I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. Um.
1: <laughs> well, but it's, it's like, I'm not necessarily a giant union fan, mm-hmm. but unions started here and they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, like people were being abused. So, but uh it's, it's kind of a, Funny little spot where it is, but uh, if you look where we are on the map, like the the national park, the new national park's half a mile that way. Uh, the new river's right here. Um, it's the New River Gorge National Park. Just became that, uh, and it's it's just it's a beautiful place. So I do highly recommend if if you're looking for a place on the east coast to come see, come here. It's great.
0: Neat. All right. Well, um. So. So today's show, um, I guess without further ado, we'll get right into it because these these uh 60 minutes go pretty fast, but you know, as as I mentioned in the uh in the pre-show, right? We're gonna be talking a little bit about HVAC two point um, well, obviously
1: so you, I'd love to since I'm the CEO. <laughs> yeah, I
0: get I get that. I get that, you know. So um you want me to give you access to your slide deck right now? I can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Mm,
1: there we are pop back so um I, I thought this might be a little bit comical uh because uh we, we we swear in 2.0 um you know it's fine um so what, what the hell is it it's it, it's uh, we, like taking a step back uh I, i'm known as nate the house whisperer now and that's because we figured out how to repeatably and reliably fix client homes Mm-hmm. Um, and make them healthy and comfortable places to live. Uh, and the, the problem is you don't need 10 house whisperers in the country. You need like half a million if you're going to actually work through all of the, uh, the houses out there. So we wanted to figure out how can we create something replicable and teachable um, that uh, a lot of people can do and that makes money and is enjoyable uh, so it, we've been morphing this for years. Um, and a couple of years ago, it's my buddy, Neil Camporetto. Uh, we were calling it home performance 2.0 at that point. And uh, he's like, why do you call it HVAC 2.0? Because this seems to mainly be aimed at HVAC contractors, which is where it's been. Um, and uh, so it changed the name to that. And all of a sudden things really started moving. So it's been, you know, a, a, an interesting and wild ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, trying to figure out how to inject building performance to like teach people how to fix houses and, and like it's fixing houses but it's fixing houses in like a mcdonald's kind of way uh where you have a very set process Sc-
0: scaling for, it and actually yeah, having
1: yeah.
0: Type you, you can't teach no.
1: people an unscalable process and have it work sure, so like sure. as it stands in general building performance home performance work is a, it requires like michael jordan levels of talent like you've really got to know your stuff mm. Um, you you have to have deep experience in a whole bunch of different areas. You have to understand where the risks are and the money isn't that great in general. Mm -hmm. So uh, I haven't seen anybody actually scale, uh, building performance, um, at least like in any kind of company. So that's what we were trying to figure out is how do we make something like that happen? Uh, and so fundamentally that's 2.0 is building science in a way that's actually useful. Um, but I'll walk through like some different pieces of it. So fundamentally, what it has become is a business model. So this is a different way for HVAC contractors to sell equipment. Um, So what we found was, as we were doing projects, if we screwed up, we sold a nice piece of equipment (laughs) like every time. Um, And uh, it's been said for years in the home performance world that uh, home performance is the HVAC industry's business to lose. And we basically decided to figure out how can we give it to them? Uh, because it's an existing vertical, uh, like the, there's people out there that do this. Uh, it can be plugged into something. We don't have to create a whole nother type of business to do this sort of thing. Um, and then we also found like the the energy auditors kind of have the wrong mindset for this. They're too technical and it actually requires more of a sales mindset. Um to do this because it's it's not that hard to technically know what a house needs to have done to it like I can scope something like half mm-hmm. houses from the street you know you show me a ranch um, be like all right so does it have a basement great then we need to deal with the stairway going down does it have re- recessed lights we need to deal with that the top plates probably need to get uh, dealt with um, is the ductwork a train wreck is it okay um, is it on a crawl space you know what, what right but- there,
0: there's there's some basic parameters that you, you got to that you're, yeah. you're going to so find right away
1: yeah. you can scope stuff or like split levels where the the walls come together there's always some crazy chase there that you have to figure out where it is in that house and what the problem is and how you're going to fix it um but um, that that still isn't really useful that's the technical side but uh, the hard part is how do you get someone to spend a bunch of money
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: like you right. have to sell the project fundamentally so just because i can walk up to any house and tell them what to do um, doesn't mean they're going to do it. So it's actually more of a sales process problem than it is a technical problem, uh, which was weird because the technicals, it's still there. There's still a lot to learn, but I don't find it particularly difficult. And most of the people that were teaching, once they get over a first few humps, it's not too bad. So, um, so anyway, it's become a business model for HVAC contractors. Um, and it's uh, Fundamentally, it's, it's how you sell the equipment. And that's where most of the revenue happens from HVAC companies. So just talking about some results of what we're seeing. Um, and it's funny, like there's always that that thing of these results aren't typical. Um, these results do look like they're typical um, from the existing small network. So uh, if you're selling equipment, you're seeing 60 to 70% closing ratios. And one thing I didn't put in here, that ticket is typically fully double the size of the average ticket. So, if your average ticket's 10 grand, it's usually more like 20. Um, and so, 60 or 70% uh, closing ratio within a couple of weeks or a month. So, kind of short term. Mm-hmm. But what we find is, and what I found doing the house whispering, I had a couple of jobs didn't execute for four years. We did the plan, um, but either there wasn't enough pain to execute or they hadn't found the money for it. And something would happen and they'd call and we'd go do the job. Uh, so the closing ratio over time on comfort consults is 80 to 90%. So basically if you sell yeah. one, you're going to get the job. It's just a matter of when. And what's nice is you can use this to fill in your slow seasons. So like you, you can ping people and follow up, uh, you know, you can offer them a, a, a small discount to you know do it during a slow season and keep people busy. So we're seeing a lot of that, um, uh, my friend, A-Team Adam, uh, Adam Muffich, first quarter this year, he did a couple of big projects that he'd sold the year before with Comfort Consults. Um, and he's like, it's great. Like, I, ha- I had work for six weeks that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so uh, it's fun with that sort of thing. And then what we're also seeing is people are going from selling mostly single stage to mostly variable speed. Mm-hmm. So you're you're seeing good equipment go in. And, like, from the air quality perspective, I mean, they're selling badass HVAC. Um so if anybody's watching here and hasn't seen badass HVAC or something like that, like there, there was like nine articles <laughs> on it. So R- Right. Put- right.
0: And, and Healthy Insurers Magazine, we ran, you ran it for almost two years or it spanned over a two year window.
1: Yeah, well, uh, there's we'll- a book too, but yeah, the, but the badass. Yeah. was, yeah. was like a year it took to, yeah. to get all of that out. Um, and that's, a, it's a simple system, a relatively simple system, but it basically requires an inverter based variable speed heat pump. To work well, because mm-hmm. you need to be able to match load. Um, you want it running, heating or cooling as much as you can, because you're always pulling in outside air. Mm-hmm. So ideally, you want to mix that in, and heat it and cool it before it goes into the house.
0: And that's a paradigm shift, anyway, because you're talking in terms of always br- like using an economizer or something to be actually bring in bring in some outside air, yeah, uh, which right. we don't typically do that. At least in the United mm-hmm. States, right? Commercial buildings do, but residences, you know, our, our air change is usually based on leakage.
1: Exactly. Um, and then like that, that becomes a problem in your shoulder seasons because mm-hmm. leakage is primarily driven by stack effect, which is driven by difference in temperature with outdoor temperature. But mm-hmm. you know, like every climate in the U S spends two, three, four months in the 55 to 75 degree range. Um, it just depends what months it is. So like Louisiana, they're, they're beautiful in April. Um, uh, in in Cleveland, it's June <laughs> before the weather's nice. Um, but uh, anyway, um, we're seeing people selling just much nicer equipment in general, mm-hmm. um, and so they're they're getting happier clients out of it. They're seeing nice uh, uh, referrals come, and most importantly, they are they're enjoying their lives a lot better. It's much lower stress levels, um, and a lot of that comes from you're not overpromising people, or you're not having clients jam you into promising something like well this is going to solve that problem right oh yeah not a problem don't make that promise like that's going to be a warranty reserve problem a whole lot of the time you're going to be going back for a callback to try and fix something where you have a single stage piece of crap where you can adjust the airflow and like that's it like there's there's just not much you can adjust on that equipment to solve problems Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's problematic so um um uh, the other thing is the the last point there is people can solve problems that they couldn't touch before. So rooms that before were really uncomfortable and they didn't know what the heck to do with them. Um uh it, they they now have a path to do it. So and not every client's gonna need this, which we're gonna get into. Uh like 70% of clients are still just gonna do a free quote and it's gonna be a like-for-like change out, it's gonna be nothing exotic. We're just about done with that whole process. Um and uh, anyway it's it's it, it's kind of cool what, what all's going on so it's fun to, to change lives with what we've learned so and th- these are a whole bunch of questions this is exactly what you shouldn't do which is called a slidement um, <laughs> a document on a slide
0: yeah, um, I, yeah well we see a lot of those at conferences too.
1: Yeah. Well, it's usually the engineers. I try to make it bigger for you though. How's that? I I try to avoid these, but sometimes you, you want to have one. So uh, these are the reasons that people kind of come to us. So like if, if any of these bother you substantially, we might be a good fit, but for most people, frankly, we're not. Um, Most people just want to keep doing what they're doing Um, and that's fine. Um, uh, But like if, if, when you're out selling, you ever feel like you're sleazy um, or like you feel like you're getting pushed into situations where you're uncomfortable, you're out of control. Um, if that's something you notice, that's a thing. Uh, lots of people want to be better than their competition and be able to solve problems that nobody else can touch. Uh, huh. Like it's the the really good HVAC guys. I mean, there's nothing better than being the fifth guy to show up trying to figure out a problem and you just nail it. Um, uh, you know, well, that's good. If,
0: in, that's good in any any vertical. As an IAQ guy, it's kind of fun too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, So uh, this process lets you touch stuff that nobody else can touch. Um, And like, do you get tired of free consulting where I mean, the classic thing is you go and you help out a client and you help them figure out what's going to do and you specify some equipment and then they take your spec and they give it to somebody else. Can you do this cheaper? Um, If that's something that annoys you, uh, that's something that this can help with quite a bit. Um, another big one there is not having a repeatable sales process. So what we're seeing, there's there's two main people that are using the system. So there is a technician owner, and then there is someone who is a salesperson for a larger company. Uh, but if you're a technician owner and you want to grow, you need to stop selling at some point. Um, you've got to be working on the business, not in it. Um, and you also at some point, if you really want to grow, like if you want to get beyond three million, Um, you have to take your tools off. You have to become a manager. Like, it sucks. You have to decide if you want to do that. Not everybody does, and that's fine. But if you do, you're going to need repeatable sales processes, repeatable processes in the company. Um, You can't wear your tools very much anymore. Um, But uh, there's a lot of guys that want to grow. And fundamentally, if you don't have a good way to teach someone how to sell, it's really hard to get out of there because if you're the one that's selling the work, that's what's keeping the company going. You, you've got to bring that on. Uh, another key thing is getting blamed for stuff you can't control, which I was just talking about. And uh, uh, Bill Spohn and I came up with a, a line a couple of years ago on his podcast, which is uh, responsibly avoiding responsibility.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's a good quote. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, it's it, when you think about it as something we all need to do. So mm-hmm. our rule is if you, Uh, don't have direct control over the results and you aren't getting paid. Don't take responsibility.
0: It's reasonable.
1: I think so. So what we we do time and again through the process is you give people education. We'll look at a little video in a little bit. Um, You offer them different options of things they can do. You give them an idea of what the ramifications are because you usually have an idea. Like "Eh, this is like like we talk in odds. It's never this is going to work. It's This is 20% odds of working. So when they, they ask you for you know, a, a like for like change out and they're complaining about their their son's room not heating well and be like, well, it's 20 percent odds this system will solve it. And uh, if they choose that and it doesn't solve it, well, you basically told them it wasn't going to work. Um, but if you have done some diagnostics and you understand the house well and you know what size equipment it needs and you put something variable speed in, that might be 60 or 70 percent odds. Um, or maybe the house has a good shell and it's like 80% odds. Uh, you know, so there's some new homes that are actually pretty tight and usually their main problems are caused by oversized equipment, not by the shell. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's all of these pieces, but if, if you can responsibly avoid responsibility, you don't get hung, uh, like the big companies, it's called warranty reserve. So big companies set aside two, three, four percent for fixing screw ups. Sure. It's just assumed. So it, it's, that's a lot of money. I mean, you talk about a ten million dollar company. It is. Um, it's a hundred to four hundred grand a year, and like particularly if you're the owner of that ten million dollar company, wouldn't you like another hundred to four hundred grand a year in your pocket? Um, you know, if you don't, it's, it, uh, message me. I'll give you my address. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, there's all of these pieces that we're working on. Um, so let's see. Um, Sometimes some guys end up with kind of mediocre client relationships or uh, things go sour on them because they probably made promises they can't do. Uh, This can be useful for finding new technicians because uh, most of the process can be done by entry level talent, like all the initial pieces. The quotes can be run by entry level talent. The comfort consults can be done by entry level talent. The reports that come after uh, require a little bit more skill, but it's doable. So this can be useful for giving some new people in your company something to do where they're actually being useful. Um, And then uh, high and low seasons, if you're frustrated that you have to lay people off and whatnot, this can be useful because, again, you're going to sell big jobs to clients that aren't necessarily in a massive hurry. It's not that their furnace is broken on a cold day or their air conditioner on a hot one. Uh, They're thinking ahead. So you can move those jobs around to when they're advantageous to you. Um, and then if you suck at uh, tracking metrics, uh, 2.0 will help you see what your closing ratios are. Uh, it'll see you, help you see what the split is between free quotes and comfort consults, what the average job sizes are, what kind of equipment you're selling. Uh, it can be really useful to understand that because if you don't know your numbers, you're going to struggle to grow. And then the last one is inaccurate load calcs. If you hear uh, comfort issues with any kind of consistency from your clients, you're oversizing your equipment. And learning how to size well is really, really challenging because manual J, we find consistently we can discount at 30 to 60% and still meet worst case. Uh, So unless you see what the energy use of a house is and understand what the blower door is and their, their thermostat set points, um, like this, this created a big brouhaha. Um, I said it as a joke, like, uh, the, it, manual J is accurate up to, that was the up to, that got cut out plus or minus 70%. Oh, uh, Seriously, like plus or minus 30 or 40% is normal. So mm. like you can be off by a ton or two, you know, 20,000 BTUs. Right. That's the wrong piece of equipment. Like if you're off by more than half a ton, technically it's the wrong piece of equipment.
0: It uh, happens all the time though. You, all the time. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're, you're, you're not citing some like uh, some outlier here. I mean, uh, oversizing, yeah. I don't know if you... I, we've seen oversized equipment all the time, especially in cooling, you know, oversizing yeah, yeah. cooling.
1: Well, in heating too, if you could watch your run times, it's like an echo thermostat, mm-hmm. you'll probably find... Like, if it's an older leaky house, it may need it. But if it's even a halfway decent shell, it's at least twice as large as it needs to be and probably three or four. So that's how, like, electrification happened was... Mm-hmm. We, we started to figure out how to really size accurately. And it's like, we don't need 60,000 BTUs. We need 30. Um, you can't buy a furnace that small. Right. So we ended up doing that. But learning how to do that and have confidence in it is, that is a challenging technical thing. Because basically you have to go do it, put in a system and then watch it run and feel better about it. Because you're going to be a chicken until you actually do it. And you watch it a few times. Because uh, I was. Um, there's a big cold snap winter of 2017 and in 2018, it was two weeks of design temperatures in a row. Um, and I had all these systems in that were very aggressively sized. I was sweating bullets. <laughs> so, um, that was scary, but, uh, um, anyway, it, you can learn how to do that sort of thing. So if, if that's something that frustrates you, you aren't quite sure how to do load calcs well, that's something that, uh, in onboarding, I've got 10 videos just on sizing and it's using various tools. So there's a lot of different ways to get there. That's what I was gonna say next slide, but I can do it. Um, so uh, taking a step back, the, the whole goal of HVAC 2.0 has been to provide a truly comfortable and healthy home to anyone who wants one. Um, and that's like where the, all the house whispering stuff comes from. Uh, now to do that, uh so uh, i'm not a hyper nerd at least when it comes to star trek but uh i, I thought this was i don't project.
0: know it looks a little like it,
1: um, it looks picard a little there. Like it. Yeah. yeah well this is uh um that's big lebowski meets uh, captain picard it's kind of funny <laughs> somebody did a good job photoshopping this one together um but the the prime directive of 2.0 that that's really our north star is how do we provide really excellent experiences to both contractors and homeowners and we want to do it in equal measures, which is really hard. So you can do one or the other. Um, so if you do it for contractors, you end up abusing the homeowners. If you do it for homeowners, you end up abusing the contractors. So finding a balance between those two is, is very challenging. Um, it's been a, a hard balance to learn. But that's the key thing that really just kind of drives us. How do we make sure that the experiences are excellent? Because excellent experiences mean referrals. And referrals mean not spending money on marketing. Um, and not spending money on marketing means putting more money in your pocket uh, and also getting clients mm-hmm. that are – you're going to get
0: happier clients. Yeah, client like, satisfaction. I mean, that's everything. And especially in that business. I mean, the HVAC business, a lot of word of mouth. I mean, people – Huge. Yeah, it's like, do you have a good HVAC contractor? many times has that question been asked? You know? And a lot of, right. how many times has it been answered by, eh? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't love them.
1: <laughs> but what it is, I mean, most of your smaller shops that are like one, two, four people, uh, they, they run almost exclusively on referrals. Sure. And so this can be a nice thing because they also tend to be highly disorganized. And if you want to grow, you need processes and to become sure. organized. So what I strongly suspect is going to happen is we're going to take a whole lot of three, four, five $500,000 companies and turn them into $3 million companies um, just by solving for the sales side of things. You still need to solve for good installs. Um, and paying attention to your details, you know, uh, brazing with nitrogen, all that stuff. You need to do all that stuff as well. But until the project sells, nobody has anything to do anyway. And this can help make sure the project sells. You are Johnny on the spot with the slides. Thank you. Um, so uh, to do this, there's fundamentally two things that have to happen, uh, which is a contractor business model. Uh, if, if we don't give people basically every piece that they need to do this, people get stuck. Like this is what we've learned again and again and again. So we keep building new pieces. And what I'm excited about, and it's funny, I totally forgot to put a slide together for this, um, is, um, uh, our free quote process is about to launch so that you can put any replacement lead through the system and you'll give people good education. Um, because that's the second piece is consumers assume that HVAC is a commodity. Well, it's a furnace. A furnace is a furnace is a furnace, right? Um, We all know that basically any product is not truly a commodity. I mean, I first learned that by buying a $9 can of uh, ceiling paint. And it got me through two and a half coats on the ceiling going from glossy to flat. And I could still see glossy through it. So now I'd put a ton of time into painting the dumb ceiling. I'd used a whole gallon and I had to go buy another gallon and then go do it. So now we buy $50 uh, cans of paint and we actually get good coverage. Uh, so, uh, the, if you don't help consumers understand the differences in equipment and install, uh, you're going to struggle to build enough value for them to buy the better equipment. And the better equipment leads to better experiences and better margins, which meets the prime directive.
0: I mean, do you find, do you find, or have you found traditionally that people are very? just price shopping for hardware. I mean, they look at it, you know, consumers, especially consumers, because yeah. they really don't have an understanding of the difference between why this one costs more, multi-stage, multi-speed, you know, variable speed. That, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot to people. It, it doesn't Sear mean- values that... too on AC, you know, sometimes that's- it,
1: it, Yeah, it's, people don't understand. Um, so we'll, we'll show that video shortly that helps show the six functions of HVAC, which is what Badass uh, covers. Um, But uh, it's been very difficult to, I've written a book about all of this. You know, I've got an hour and a half uh, uh, presentation just on what badass is, like what it is and what it solves. And I cut that down into four minutes. And that was really, really hard to do because this is an extremely complex topic that needs to be interesting and also spur curiosity. So people go dig. And if they dig, that avoids the price shopping problem because now and they've got three different guys that are trying to sell them essentially the same piece of equipment. And then they've got one company that's in here teaching them and offering things that nobody else is. And that's where the good closing ratios come from, is doing that. But we have to tackle both sides of this, the business model and the consumer education. Um, so Uh, 2.0 has three parts to it. So the first piece is a software-backed sales process uh, because the process that we have found, the path that we have found is extremely narrow. So if you don't do everything right in the right orders, uh, you're very likely to fail. Um, And like uh, we we have a line uh, that it it bugs a lot of people. I was talking about it on Bill Spohn's podcast. The process is sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not meant to be like a religious thing. It's when you are doing most mechanical things. If you do it in the wrong order, it breaks and you find out quickly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, try, try leaving a part of an engine when you're putting it together.
0: Well, that's um, back to your McDonald's analogy too, which I think is probably uh, you, you've got to be a disciple of Michael Gerber and e I just have a feeling.
1: It's funny. I haven't read that
0: book. You haven't. Oh, okay. I I just, I, but it's usually, I, I When, so, when somebody starts am. quoting Ray Kroc stuff, they usually, usually that's, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, 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 uh, but it's, it, it, it requires a strict process because mm-hmm. in sales, like, very seldom does somebody tell you you're an asshole um, and you're not getting the job because they don't like you. Um, like, that's not uh, the Yeah, up front, get. they
0: usually don't. They, they say it behind your back.
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, the only uh, feedback you get is not selling the job, but you usually right. don't understand right. why. Um, so, uh, unlike, you know, like the example I used is let's just set the outdoor unit outside and just open those refrigerant lines. Let's see what happens. Um, Like, you know, you can't do that. You got to braise it all together and install the system and do all that stuff. But there's an instance negative feedback loop or I've heard uh, like toilets on submarines. There's like eight steps that you have to do in order. And if you don't, you literally get crap in the face. Um, It comes up at high pressure out of the toilet. Um, So like that's a fast and violent feedback loop, but there is no feedback loop in sales. Mm -hmm so we we had to define a narrow process and the software isn't really software like it it is um it's it fundamentally hvac 2.0 is software as a service that's that's what the, the business model for us is but um uh it, we're just trying to keep you on the path and we went bowling last night and we set it up so that my daughter had the bumpers come up um, Because she had two shots all night that made it all the way down without doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so we played two games. So she's, she took 40 rolls. Only two of them didn't require help. Um, uh, and so the software is there to serve as those bumpers to help keep you in the path. That's fundamentally what it's there for. So that's the first piece of 2.0. The second piece, which may be the most important, is uh, the ethos. So do, do you know the eth- the word ethos? Was something I had
0: to look up too. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna not really No, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, like, if I had to define it, I think I would just like lose it.
1: Uh, it's, it's basically a way of looking at the world.
0: Ah, okay. There we go. Um, so it's, it's so philosophy, mind, yeah, your philosophy, mindset, like, your mindset.
1: Yeah, mindset. So, like, different cultures have an ethos, um, different industries end up having an ethos. Um, and there's an ethos here, which we'll get to, which is being. Uh, the guide, not the hero. Uh, So if you're the hero, you're like, I'm here to save the day and this is going to be great. And I'm going to use up my warranty reserve. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, You don't want to be the hero in the story with a client. You want to be their guide Um, and learning how to do that. This is the hardest piece of 2.0 by far. This is what we have struggled with again and again and again for years is helping teach people to flip their mindset to uh, stop going to rescue and instead start asking more questions and trying to understand what they're trying to solve um, and help them understand what their options are. You need to understand what the options are pretty well, and a lot of people don't. Um, uh, so it, like what I find is most HVAC uh, technicians, they're they're really good mechanics, but oftentimes not the best engineers. So they'll figure out what part needs to be changed that's broken. And they're just fantastic at diagnosing that and fixing that quickly. But when it comes to stepping back and looking at the entire house as a system and looking at the, the homeowner as well as part of that, um, it's not an easy thing to do. And if you don't do that right, things go sideways. They just well, do.
0: But technicians are not just, just by design. They're not consultants. They're just yeah. they're designed they're designed to punch tickets and I mean seriously that's that's how they're trained yeah. they're trained to you know actually make sales you know or just basically do things very replicatable but they're not going to sit there and step back and be very pensive and analyze the situation
1: exactly and because most HVAC companies are started by a technician that's the mindset that gets put in um, and it's not it's not necessarily a negative mindset but sure. if you're looking for a, a way to really solve problems um, at the the whole home level it requires a different mindset. There's no way yeah. around it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. well, I mean, that was one of the things we, a few weeks ago when Brian, and, uh, Brian Oren, you were on, we were talking about, you know, a lot of the stuff that EPA um, and the White House are driving, you know, it seems like they're driving it towards having the HVAC technicians maybe do the triage and the IQ stuff. And I, I, I don't know. I, none of us seem to agree that that's going to work. I, I don't think it will, at no, least it, not it, without major retraining.
1: Yeah, well, so it requires two things. Yeah, it requires training on their part, but it also requires pushing those things back. Like you don't have time to figure that stuff out when you're on site. You just don't. Uh, so you really need to reschedule. And it it also requires you have to back up and look at the the house holistically because you might be like, oh well, this one duct is disconnected. Well, that might be half the problem. It might be the whole problem. It might be five percent of the problem. Um, you know, un- until you back up and you you really understand what's going on, uh, like indoor air quality. Can we agree that it's got a lot of factors in it?
0: Yeah, um, it's a little complex. And, yeah. and it's not something that you're going to, you, you can't just uh, on a, you know, a scheduled one hour appointment, you know, suddenly delve into some big IAQ investigation. That's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if, if you do, there's a, um, oh, shoot, what was it? It's, it's the Invisible Man. That's a different name for it, but it's from uh, the, the movie, The Three Musketeers, years ago. Um, it's like, uh, so they're reading this thing that they have to do. Like, uh, so you, you say this and you say this, and then you shoot your gun in the air. Um, and then Chevy Chase is like, ah, blam. And he shoots the gun like at a random angle and he shoots the guy. <laughs> um, and like, that's the accidental thing that can mm-hmm. happen if you aren't using some kind of process sure. to do this. And the, the technicians, they don't have time for that. They don't have the mental space for that. That needs to be somebody going in with the mental space and a process for that specifically. Um, and then you can solve it. So ethos is really important. You have to learn how to think about this stuff and how to interact with people. And then the third piece, which is very important is the guild, um, because the process uh, this, everything we do. Oh, that's funny. I accidentally left that bitly on the top. Um, the, uh, the, the process is based on the Sandler sales process. And, uh, it, it's not something that you're going to stay on without practice. So you need to have people to talk to, to help keep you accountable and on the path. And then you also need people uh, to help you with the technical problems that you aren't figuring out. Because you may be pulling the clues together, but you don't understand what the answer is yet. And so a few other people can come in, ask you a few questions, tell you about experiences they've had in the past with something similar and help you figure out what the solution to that looks like. Uh, so you need all three of these, the Software back, Sales Process, the Ethos and the Guild. Um, and, the, the ethos has really been the hardest piece. Total different way of looking at the world. If you don't do these correctly, this is what happens. Um, you turn your company into a dumpster fire. I've a watched this happen, dumpster fire Man. and I did this to my insulation company. I learned how to do better work than I knew how to charge for. And my margins went like that and. I looked around I'm like why am i working 80 hours a week to make like 40 grand a year this is stupid um uh, i'll go be a walmart greeter and make the same money um you know with the number of hours that i'm working It's just it's dumb mm-hmm. so um it, it, you, you you have to come at this from a different angle or else you end up screwing stuff up so th- this is why like we've been watching for a long time uh, building performance companies just don't scale mm-hmm. And so this isn't truly building performance. This is building performance as needed, which we're going to get into next like to show what the process looks like. So like I said, super narrow path. This is what I I envisioned in my mind. Um, It's a very narrow path that has, you know, hundreds of foot drop on either side. So like you can't screw up or you die. Um, And so that's why we say the process is sacred. Like we're trying to help you stay on that narrow path. Um, because you can't see as you're walking, you know, um, you're blind trying to do this. So this is what the the whole process looks like. So th- this is going to be overwhelming, but I just want to show like this is the subway map um, of the process and all the steps. And all of these steps uh, have a reason behind them. I can train on any of these steps for a day, for an hour, maybe a day. Um, like there's a lot of thought that went into this because we've been working on this for a decade trying to, to crack this nut. This is not an easy and it, it it's stupid that we pushed this far. I should have given up and gotten a different job. Um, like
0: well, it's, it's a very multifaceted thing. I think people that haven't worked in these spaces have, a, you know, they have a hard appreciation for how difficult this is. Yeah.
1: yeah. there's like 15 different things we have to get damn near perfect at the same time or it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just hard. So here's the simplified version of the process and fundamentally 2.0 asks and then answers two questions. The first one is, are there comfort problems to solve? The second one is, is HVAC alone likely to solve that problem? So the, the first one is tackled by asking four questions and they're they're pretty basic. We, we have specific wording for it, but it's basically, are there any rooms in your house that don't heat well? And it's, it's not yes or no, it's a scale of zero to 10. Um, so maybe you don't have any issues, that's fine. So you, you, you slide the scale down. Um, second question is, are there any rooms that don't cool well? Third one is, does anybody have any respiratory problems in the house? Because asthma is very strongly related to the home um, in general and allergies can be too. Uh, and then are there any moisture problems in the house? And all of these are a zero to 10 scale and if you answer enough questions highly enough for any one, eight or above, uh, we recommend that you do a comfort consult. Otherwise you do a free quote. And the vast majority of people just do a, a free quote, that's like 70%. Um, but the, the comfort consult is essentially the first half of an energy audit. Uh, it's a blower door test. Um, it's a whole bunch of questions trying to probe and find any other problems they have. Uh, one of our guys totally cracked me up tanner dickerson um awesome kid um that's kind of sad he's 25 like i remember when i was 25 like no he looks like a kid um it sucks getting old
0: but uh you think yeah uh,
1: yeah yeah but uh, it, he went in uh, as his first comfort consult because we recommend go do one for a friend or family member uh, unpaid and just kind of learn and then do one for someone inside your company Uh, and see how that is. And then you actually go do it for a client. So he did it for one of his good buddies' dads. And his dad partway through is like, you got to stop asking these questions, dude, you're making me think about stuff that's bothering me that I've never even thought about. Stop it. Um, And it's like, good. So we were finding the problems that he wanted to solve, because the more Mm -hmm. problems you can find, the more money there is to solve it. And hopefully we can get to where, you know, if you need a $20,000 system to do it, it's worth 20,000 to do it.
0: Um, right. You got, you've got to provide that value. If you expect somebody to shell out 20 grand, they've, yeah. you've got to provide, you know, 20 or more grand in value.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's, uh, a, a, a big part of the game. It's, it's fundamentally a value building exercise is what the, the comfort consult is, but you're also diagnosing the house because maybe the house is really leaky. Um, in which case, like if you have in particular, if there's one room, that's really leaky, mm-hmm. you may need twice the airflow to that room to make it comfortable. So like there's a number of people when they, when they have a problem like that and they don't have any budget, I'm like window units and space heaters. That's your solution. Um, as I sit in our camper. So there's basically a window unit, the air conditioner <laughs> and we heat it with space heaters. Um uh, So we am going to put a ductless in here in a while, but uh for a lot of people, that's, the solution and when they're like well th- that's not good that's not what i want it's like well you told me that i had a thousand dollar budget the only thing i can do for a thousand dollars is to tell you to go buy win a window unit spacey right, right. Um, what do you want um and so you help them understand what it is and you also understand how screwed up is the house so like some houses are in the middle and mm-hmm. so if you put right size variable speed equipment in you might knock out half that problem and they may be happy um but until you do some tests on the house The odds of understanding all this are extremely low, Uh, uh, but you you need to run the tests like in a certain order. Like the blower door is half. um, uh, It's half dog and pony show. You know, it's it's half spectacle. Sure. No, sure. Yeah. You you
0: got a big fan and you're putting a thing in the doorway and it's, you know.
1: They're they're it's cool it's to it's watch. Like yeah, I, I no, love doing so the so process. It's yeah. like Bill Nye the Science Guy just showed up at your house. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a cool thing, but it's it's there in part to make the invisible visible. So you you put the blow order on and you bre- break out a infrared camera and you can see where the it's problems in weeks. the house
0: are. Yeah.
1: Um, and so now the invisible is visible and now you're causing them pain. You're bothering them. And you're helping them understand that there's a problem. And if that problem isn't solved, this problem is not going to get solved. So you want to understand where that is. But if it's a moderately leaky house and no room is totally crazy, you can probably change the HVAC for the right stuff and the house will be good enough. Um, Or at least it will be good enough to let them understand, uh, do we want to take another step or are we going to call it good enough? Make sense?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um, so yeah, there's, it's just, it's like a, a big game that we're playing where we need to, like, if we're going to play the game, we need to set the pieces up all in the right places. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when our clients go through it, they're going to tend to make the right decisions and the right decisions tend to be more profitable. So we're, we're providing good experiences for both sides. So that's the, 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 comfort consult is again, how screwed up is the house? And is HVAC alone likely to solve it? Um, if uh, HVAC alone is likely to solve it, which turns out to be the vast majority of the time, um, you just replace their equipment with something that's now tailored. So you know what size, you know the details.
0: So, so let me uh, question you on that. So you, hmm? you, you're saying that it's it's most, or most often that's the problem is the HVAC equipment itself. Uh, is that because it's improperly sized or it's malfunctioning or all the above?
1: It's, uh, it's usually improperly sized. Uh, I mean, the, the, the analogy I use for this is imagine you have 10 gallons to get clean with, 10 gallons of hot water. And you can have the option of either a 10-gallon bucket dumped over your head all at once, or you can take a five-minute shower. Um, obviously, we would all prefer the shower, most of us anyway. I'm sure there's a few crazies out there. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the shower is right-sized variable speed. So you're, you're giving a steady stream of heat in that case, or you could do a steady stream of cool if we flip that to thinking about HVAC and air conditioning. So if you can do that, you can balance out all the temperatures of the surfaces and the materials in the house quite mm-hmm. a bit. And mean radiant temperature is 60% of human comfort. So by right sizing, you can fix all kinds of things. The other thing is most people just don't have the budget to go spend 20, 30, 40,000 on shell work in addition to right. a t- 10, 15, 20, $30,000 HVAC system. Um, uh, so uh, again, like I said, when, when I was doing the advanced work, when I screwed up, I sold HVAC, like uh, all of these paths end up selling HVAC is what happens. Uh, so, uh, but if the house is screwed up, you get to what is very unique in this, which is the true house whispering. And that is uh, the comprehensive planning process in, in, in the, the process there. And that is the second half of the energy audit. It's going and spending more time with the home to try and figure out what the root causes really are. You take a bunch of pictures, you're going to take more measurements, uh, you're really going to try and understand um, where the issues are in the house. And then you build specific, tailored plans to that. Um, and these tend to be pretty good sized pro- projects. So um, uh, my friend, John Esquivel, uh, one of the HV- HVAC 2.0 guys, he's in Austin, Texas. First time he uses a CPP, he sells a $68,000 project. Average sale in the HVAC industry is about eight grand. So he almost 10 X industry average. So it was two complete systems, both badass. Um, uh, they spray foam the roof deck and they did aero barrier. Um, and then some bath fans and some other stuff besides that. Uh, and like my record 70 grand and I'm like, John, you can't be quite that close to me. What are you doing, dude? Um, uh, but we, we've seen that like, <clears throat> and my, my closing ratio personally on comprehensive planning processes, when we switch to the process that we use now, my closing ratio is 92%. And the other people did stuff. They just didn't use me. So like, it's super powerful. Um, like this is a really good solid process uh, that's been carefully thought out.
0: But the way I'm hearing this too, you're also not, you're not hard selling. What you're doing is you're you're cool. going in and you're diagnosing and you're offering solutions. And that's the way I always operated in business myself too. I mean, because like, in the end, you're really, you're just helping clients make decisions that make sense for them and what they're trying to achieve and what their budget is as opposed to trying to sell them something.
1: Exactly. This is not, Which a, still say,
0: it's a sales process, but it's a different way of selling it, Well, it's we more say, an educational selling. Yeah,
1: if you're using 2.0 and you feel like you're selling, you're doing it wrong. That's our, our way of looking at it. So yeah, it's consultative. Um, and uh, there's no coercion at any point. Uh, and that's really important because you want people to make good decisions, but you don't want to push them in anything. Plus as soon as you push somebody in a certain direction, who owns the responsibility for results?
0: Oh, you, I guess you're, you're, I mean, you're basically making, you're making their decisions for them. What you're, so you're, you're advocating making them inform consumers, let them make their own decisions to some extent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's the critical thing. So really all we're doing is treating them like adults. We're not treating them like children. Oh, I know what's best for you. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're serving as the adult, adult to adult. Um, We could do this. We could do this. Here's what's probably going to happen from each one. Which one do you think suits you better? And if you do that well, they're going to choose one of those options, which means you're making money, (laughs) you know, Um, like you don't really care that much, which option they choose, either they take responsibility for mediocre results or they buy a really nice system. Uh, And even if they buy a nice system, because there's always another option, another step to take in the process, you don't have to like, never ever say with 100% certainty, something's going to work
0: um well, well you can't you can't do that in no. you can't do as an ieq consultant i mean go, going in on environmental mm-hmm. stuff it's like it's still it's you know hypothesis test trial i mean there, there, there's still variability we, we don't we don't know everything about everything so we you know the, there's still a variability you have to you have to see it in the field and see how things operate
1: exactly so you oftentimes you have to try something before you know sure um so uh switching gears the uh like the, the, That video that I sent you, uh, it's probably a good time to play this. So this is a four-minute video on uh, this what we call the six functions of HVAC, and uh, see what you think. If you're watching this, you're probably considering a new heating and cooling system for your home. A well-installed system is likely to last 15 to 20 years. If your new HVAC was a newborn, it would be graduating high school before you buy another one. If you choose incorrectly, typically the only way to fix it is to replace it again. That may sound scary, but you already know everything you need to know about HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning from your car. Every car with air conditioning can do five of six things that every HVAC system should be able to do, but most home HVAC systems can't do any. Let's take a quick look at what those are. First is load matching. By far, the most important factor in creating a comfortable space is matching the amount of heating or cooling the HVAC puts out to what the home or car needs at that moment. Every car can vary how much heating or cooling it puts out, as well as the fan speed. Meanwhile, over 80% of home systems are oversized, single-stage or single-speed systems, meaning they are either on or they are off, making temperatures race up and down, which leads to poor comfort. Second is filtration. When you drive, there's a lot of garbage in the air. Car and truck exhaust, pollen, road dust, and so forth. Your home needs to keep those same things out, plus filter out pollutants inside your home. Every car has a high-performance filter that helps reduce pollutants getting into your car. Most homes have mediocre filters with far worse performance, where the pressure inside the duct system is too high to use high-performance filters. Third is dehumidification. Typically, the most important factor in creating a healthy environment in your car or home is keeping the humidity in a healthy range. By pushing the AC button in your car, you can have dehumidification 24-7, 365, but very few homes have this capability. Keeping humidity levels in check reduces the spread of disease, helps prevent mold, mildew, and odors, And this is particularly important in spring and fall when the air is damp, but not much cooling is needed. Fourth is fresh air. Every car can bring in outside air and heat, cool, or filter it. This helps the air smell fresh. It reduces the spread of airborne diseases and is an important factor in indoor air quality. Few homes have this capability. Fifth is mixing. In your car, you can mix and stir the air to keep you comfortable depending on the season by sending it to your face, feet, or the windshield. Mixing the air reduces room-to-room temperature differences in your home and can provide continuous filtration and fresh air as well. Most homes have an inefficient fan motor that makes this noisy and expensive to do. Sixth is humidification. Adding moisture to the air is the only thing that your car can't do. Dry air is uncomfortable, it leads to dry skin, increased dust, and can promote the spread of viruses. Every HVAC system should be able to do these six functions. Load matching, filtration, dehumidification, fresh air, mixing, and humidification. Every car can do five of the six functions of HVAC well. Most home systems can't do any. In case having control over some or all of these conditions is something you want your new system to be capable of, work together with your HVAC 2.0 contractor to choose the path that works best for you. If you'd like to learn more about the six functions of HVAC, see the HVAC 101 guide linked below or ask your HVAC 2.0 contractor about it. So, Bob, what do you think?
0: Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I just got a political ad. That's that's why, okay, and that's why I hate YouTube. I'm going to come, I'm going to, YouTube for live shows, because YouTube always wants to stream other crap in there. We use Vimeo for everything. That's, you know. It's all good. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so, uh, what, what? did that's that funny. seem reasonably technically accurate, yet still pretty quick?
0: Yeah. I think so. I mean, it de- it definitely hit your points and and you you've covered that over the years in your articles in Healthy Indoors magazine too. I know that's, you know, it's been in your book and so this that for me it's a recap but it it really I think it was pretty succinct because it's funny how we spend you know, we spend, you know, 20 to fifty sixty thousand dollars on a vehicle, but we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a home and we don't have nearly the same attention to the ventilation, you know, the mechanical systems on it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. But uh, can you see how that video fits the ethos of education Mm -hmm. without coercion? Um, Yeah. And uh, the the feedback from it thus far has been pretty good. That's the first iteration. Like it needs better production values and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you got to start with something. So that'll work for six months or something um, until I get enough feedback to change it. Uh, But uh, uh, that is a piece of going back to the beginning. We've got business model on one side that has to be covered and then consumer education that has to be covered. Uh, so to responsibly avoid responsibility, you want to send clients information for them to consume and you want to send it several times. So if they don't consume it and they make a bad decision, who owns it? Right. This is all about responsibly avoiding responsibility. Um, so you should never, ever, ever take all of the responsibility for a project because they're too complex. Like like you were saying, like indoor air quality, you can't guarantee anything, um, you know, it's like, when's the last time yeah. you had a doctor say, oh yeah, this treatment will work on pain of death. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, but medicine is actually a great example, right? They really don't promise anything. They write a script or they, you know, they do a procedure or whatever. And it's like,
1: <laughs> it works. Yeah. Well, it's, like a well, it's worked for other people and it seems like it fits. So why don't we try this? Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, come see me next week um, and we'll, we'll follow up. So yeah, homes are super complex. So, whenever somebody's like, oh, you just do this, whenever I hear somebody use the word just, like we need a Seinfeld episode on that. Because <laughs> when somebody uses the word just, it means they are drastically underestimating the complexity
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, of what they're doing. So, like, that is a sure sign of Dunning Kruger <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, like, yeah, you you don't actually know what you're doing yet. Like, that is way more complex than you think it sure. is. So, I mean, they, they had, well, I'm just saying, you know, like, you, you insult someone's mother's honor. Like, well, I'm just saying, and that makes it okay. Um, we need an episode on just, can you just do this? Well, yeah, I can just do that, but it's going to be expensive and it's not going to work. Um, so uh, that, that's always the, the the balance that you're trying to do here. But if you send good educational material to people ahead of time, multiple times, and then you cover it when you're there with them, if they make a bad decision and they have also signed off on it, they own it. Mm-hmm. So, like, for larger companies, like, the larger companies are going to be hard for us in the short term because they don't want to change. They're very resistant to change. Um, and it's hard to change uh, a big organization. Um, but, like, warranty reserve of 2 to 4%, that's huge to get rid of. And that's what we're seeing is callbacks are getting just slashed by mm-hmm. doing this. Um, and it's, I, I'm kicking myself for not doing slides, but the the free quote process that's just about to roll out. Um, we offer people the six functions. So, okay, you want good filtration. The the filter rack is actually standard. You have to downgrade to a one-inch filter. So we'll give you money off, but we're letting you know that's crappy. So we'll give you Mm -hmm. money off. If you want to be cheap, like compare the cheap option with the cheap option to your other prices. But we're letting you know you're not getting filtration. You're not getting fresh air. You're not getting dehumidification. Your mixing is going to suck and you don't have a humidifier. Um, and your load matching is going to suck because it's single stage. So the house isn't going to be comfortable. So if we help people understand what their options are and that the free quote process helps specifically with that, um, I'm really excited to see what the results are of that. Because I, I don't know that we're going to affect closing ratios, huge amounts, but I'd expect some, but I think we're going to really bump tickets. Uh, so instead of that $8,000 average industry ticket, I bet we're going to be closer to 15, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even 20. Um, uh, so, and in this way, the, the whole house whispering thing is being built naturally into a free quote. So you're, you're much more likely to have clients choose better equipment and improve the health and comfort of their home. And that goes back to the goal of how do we make healthy, comfortable homes available to anyone who wants one? So even if they're buying stuff off a free quote, uh, they, they're much more likely to get something good. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about having that is if we're collecting all of the leads that are going through the system, now that metrics tracking, we can do, we can see what your closing ratios are. We can see what your split is. Um, like you should be seeing, uh, it, we, the ideal seems to be about 30% comfort consult and 70% free quote. And yes, the comfort consults take longer, um, because it's, you're in the house for three hours and you're going to have at least an hour and coming up with a report. So it's not nothing. Mm -hmm. But in a free quote, your closing ratio is usually low and you've got to go drive to three houses or two houses instead of one. And you're going to sell a $10,000 piece of equipment, not a $20,000.
0: Well, you're competing differently that way because now you're competing as competitors. You're just a commodity. You're You're in a price war when you go that way.
1: Yep. So this helps, even in a free quote, this helps avoid the price war because you're gonna be offering and educating in a way that no one else is. So, and that's that's the where 2.0 is finally maturing with this piece going in place. Until now we've been for Hypergeeks and this is about to be much more broad spectrum. Uh, so we should have this out in uh, the, the next couple of months. I'm hoping for the first of the year, we have this rolling and through the first iteration of taking the, the rough edges off.
0: Nice, nice. Um... I mean, certainly, it, it's definitely a paradigm shift. I mean, you're, you're proposing a paradigm shift for the way people uh, in the HVAC business actually do their business. Yep. Which yeah, um, definitely. And, and it, how's that getting received? I mean, is that like probably probably the early adopters, of the HVAC side, are going, "Hey, this is this is a interesting concept," but I got to believe some of the old war horses don't embrace this all that much.
1: Yeah, yeah, it has been that. And part of it, we've been kind of quiet for a while because I've had to build onboarding to help teach the technical side in a replicable way, because I've,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: my partner and I have been teaching people one-on-one thus far, Mm -hmm. that's not replicable. (laughs) So I spent a year coming up with training only to find out that that training failed on the ethos side and people weren't doing it right. So they were getting the technical side, but then they were applying it wrong um, and still breaking it. So it's been hard to figure all of that stuff out. Um, but we're, we're right there. Uh, But a a key takeaway on all this is what we are seeing is with the same number of leads, we're seeing 40 to 120% bump in revenue. So if you can double revenue with the same marketing um, and leads that you have today, which is probably going to be more than a doubling in net profit. Um, because you're getting into the gravy on top when you get mm-hmm. these bigger jobs. Um, so you're nuts covered. You're, you're, you're well beyond break-even at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it, I, I think doubling business with the same volume of leads is going to be the norm. Uh, so, you know, like your, your results aren't typical. Like, I don't know if fully doubling will be. But I'd be really surprised, like if you're using this and you're using it well and you're not increasing your sales by 50 percent, with the same number of leads, you're, you're doing something really wrong. Like you're, you're, you're screwing it up. You're not staying on that path. Um, we need to have a conversation and see where is that and try and find it. And because we've got this good metrics tracking, the odds are we'll be able to see it. So like back when I was doing uh, the comfort consults myself in Ohio. I mean, now we've moved to West Virginia and I'm just not really practicing except for on our own homes. Uh, it, I would watch my closing ratios slide and my partner would be like, what are you doing? And we'd, we'd tear it apart and try and figure out what I had moved around in the process when I was in home and like, Oh, you can't do that. Or we got to move this here, whatever it is. So like mm. that's how we move the order of the process around and what it is. And we know it works and works really, really well. Um, but uh, if you don't have that feedback loop to understand when you're off your game and people in a guild to help you figure out how to get back on your game, you're going to be in trouble.
0: Sure. So if
1: you're not seeing killer results out of this, you're doing it wrong.
0: Oh, no, totally makes sense. So we're we're getting toward end of time here. Um, we're going to be right back with a closing word from uh, Nate uh, right after this word from our sponsor. Ha, <laughs> Yeah, and a shout out to our sponsor, Particles Plus. Um, I've been using their hardware for a lot of years now. Like I think uh, seven years. We've been using their la- uh, laser particle counters. They're great. To- they're great tools.
1: That really is. So i you know, and I've to used every brand Adam.
0: before that. I've used Met One. I've used already. I mean, like we've we've owned over the years. I think since I started in the IEQ business, I've probably used about eight different uh, particle counters. So Th-
1: those really are awesome. Yeah, they're, they're um, so cool. So I- Adam actually sent me one years ago when I was digging into the air quality monitors. It was 2016. I tested a whole bunch of them against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, those things are all crap. Let me send you a good one.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, I mean, I, you know, that's the thing they're, they're usable. I mean, I I like, they're very user friendly. They're very versatile and it just, we it, it, just the particle sizes. As an IQ consultant, you know, we we yeah. like to we like to be able to set ranges and look for things. Mm-hmm. But you know, with all the other ones that we previously owned, you had to have the factory calibrate to the size ranges, and you couldn't change them in the field. These yeah. things you can just like punch up and
1: yeah. What do you want? You want one point oh yeah, one to point one. Here we are. Yeah, um, sweet. Yeah, so. it's, it, 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 shout out to Brian or Adam. That's Adam Brian is his name. Um, I got
0: to get. We got but, the middle uh, name in there anyway yeah this is great stuff so um so anyway uh closing thoughts you know we'll, we'll take another couple minutes just to you know i mean it's always good to have you on nate i mean you know this this was nice that we had the opportunity to uh delve into this your HVAC uh, hvc 2.0 concept uh you know we we sort of scraped it a little bit when we, you were on with brian last month but
1: mm-hmm. um well so i'd rather ask you a question so uh, having heard more about this. Does this help flesh out what we're doing in your mind? And what do you think of it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, this concept of, you know, educating and, and, and offering options, I think, is really the right way to go. Because the, traditionally, especially on the residential side, what I've seen as an IAQ guy um, is just really badly, bad installations, misapplied equipment, um, and some technologies thrown in just willy nilly to make extra sales, you know, some electronic air cleaning stuff that, you know, may or may not work. And it's just, it just, it doesn't seem like it's, it's that well orchestrated. You were talking manual J as far as load calculations How about manual D getting the duct sizing, right? Same, so, you know, in residential that traditionally wasn't done.
1: Now it's still in retrofits. It's generally not going to be done, but mm-hmm. that, that is one piece. So that, that would be an offer out of a comfort console. Like if, if you look around, you're like, this duct system's a train wreck. Offer them mm-hmm. a duct design. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then again, like if they're like, well, there's airflow problems afterwards. Like, well, I offered you a duct design. You want to do it now?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, in residential, think about it. Most of the times the duct design is where can we fit them around the other stuff that's already been installed in the property as, as we're doing construction. The ducker yeah. comes in a little bit later in the process after plumbing and electricals in. And they tend to just, uh, you know, throw a few more elbows and move things around.
1: I I love seeing like the construction pictures when obviously the, the plumber and the electrician had a disagreement, you know, the plumber just cut something out. (laughs) It's going to go here. Um, uh, But so the, the, the key thing is we really are trying to shift. Like if this works and we, uh, this reliably creates a doubling of sales for people, um, this should fundamentally shift how the industry works. Because in time, if you don't use this system or something like it, you're likely to go out of business because your competitors are going to beat your butt.
0: As, as so, the industry continues right. to evolve, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it should. I mean, uh, to, to the IRA, one last thing. Um, it looks hopeful with the, like last time I, I talked about how I was really concerned about the federal uh, requirement being 18 seer. And it would probably require an 18 sear match, which requires 20 sear equipment. Um, and uh, I w- I'm just like, this isn't actually going to be useful. So it looks like CEE uh, is going to change their top tier, which is what the the, the um, legislation's pegged on, to be 16 sear equipment, which is very doable.
0: Right. because um, so You were mentioning the 18 sear. A lot of the 18 sear requirement, they're they're not actually 18 sear. The stuff that's offered.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, if you you, get, you put in an 18 SEER class three ton piece of equipment, it's probably going to be 16 and a half or 17. It's not going to be 18. So and I would it, it makes sense to me to require an RE match. Um, and you just won't be able to do that. That's where they've tested, you know, an indoor and outdoor unit to uh, put together. But um, if this $2,000 is pretty gettable, which it looks like it might be, uh, we all need to get used to inverters real fast. Um, and the the higher end heat pumps real fast. Uh, And that's going to help with all of this. But this system will naturally help selling the other pieces and then also help you educate consumers. Like one of the things in the free quote is we offer static pressure testing. We call it duct pressure um, because homeowners don't get Uh, Static pressure. And if you offer that to them and they don't take it and you do a like for like replacement and their ESP is 1.2 inches of water column and it eats their fan alive in 18 months, guess who owns that? They do because they signed off that they didn't want to pay 25 bucks for a test. Um, So there's all of these pieces of the the puzzle that are in there. But um, I am concerned about applying inverter equipment wrong, which can absolutely be done because it's oftentimes more sensitive to install quality. So the, the next couple of years is going to be a ride, Bob.
0: Oh Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And I think what's going to happen is going to shake again. If you don't, if you don't evolve with your businesses and and that's in all aspects of indoor environmental, you know, all the, all the different silos and verticals. I mean, if you don't evolve what you're doing, you're going to get in trouble as small businesses. No question about it. Well, you know, that that's all the time we have for today, unfortunately. So I, I want to thank, uh, you know, Nate, being here, uh, you know, from HVSA 2.0, uh, like I said, always, always great to speak with you and have you on the show. Um, we're going to be back next week. We actually have a pre-recorded show with Adam Andrews uh, from ACAC. Uh, we did that a while back. We're going to be uh, playing that one for you next week. Uh, it was a really interesting discussion on some of the ACAC programs, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, Until next time, again, you know, next Thursday, that'll be from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, But until that time, uh, I'm Bob Krell, again, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors. And thanks for being along for the ride, and we'll see you soon.